Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine and creator of drjockers.com, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. This podcast is sponsored by Peak Tea, and I really love these teas because they're specifically formulated to enhance the benefits of fasting. That's right, deeper levels of cellular healing and autophagy, and they're designed to shut down appetite and support healthy weight management. They're delicious. They won't break your fast. And they are the highest quality because they're extracted via cold brew crystallization that gently preserves the active compounds at their maximum potential. They're 100% organic and triple toxin screen for pesticides, heavy metals, and toxic mold. You would be surprised how many teas out there, if you test them, actually full of chemicals, full of heavy metals, pesticides, mold, super common in the tea industry, but not peak tea. They use the triple toxin screening and they're the highest possible purity. Now, I really like their bergamot fasting tea, which is amazing for your energy. You know, a lot of times when people are fasting, especially doing an extended fast, they're just energy plummets. Bergamot fasting tea will really help with that. It's loaded with theoflavins that nourish your gut bacteria, support digestion and boost satiety. And this is key. So a lot of times when you're fasting, you know, your your, your healthy gut bacteria die off while your bad bacteria die. We want the bad bacteria to die We don't want the good bacteria to die. These theoflavins are going to selectively nourish the healthy gut bacteria to keep your microbiome intact. And you're going to get that from the bergamot. It also offers a flavorful burst of citrus. Its oils, again, enhance digestion. They provide unique mood-boosting properties as well. Also really good for the skin. They also have a great ginger green fasting tea. We know ginger supports your digestion. And we know green tea is rich in catechins. The two combined, ginger and green tea, super good for your immune system, great for energy levels. They also have a great cinnamon herbal fasting tea that I love. It supports balanced blood sugar, helps manage cravings. It's naturally caffeine-free, tastes amazing. You guys, they have a ton of different flavors, like 20 different flavors. Um, So you'll find something that you really like. And Peak is extending a limited time offer just for my audience. You can get 5% off plus a free pouch that comes with 20 premium samples so you can try all their different types when you purchase a fasting bundle. Just head over to peaklife.com forward slash drjockers. Use the coupon code D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S for a special discount. Peak has over 15,000. Listen to that. 15,000 five-star reviews. That means people are loving this. So try it for yourself risk-free with their 30-day satisfaction guarantee, and you'll either love it or you get your money back. So go to peaklife.com, spelled P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E.com slash drjockers and use the coupon code D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S for a complimentary gift and 5% off. Welcome back to the podcast. On this episode, I'm being interviewed by Season Johnson from the Thrive Through Cancer podcast. And we talked all about intermittent and extended fasting, what's actually happening in our bodies when we're doing that, how that can impact cancer growth in our body, and for individuals that are dealing with cancer, how it can actually be a great augment and actually um, enhance the benefits of other therapies, whether you're doing 
conventional therapies like chemotherapy or radiation, how it can actually help you go through those things with less side effects and with uh, just really a more effective, almost a more, like a more potent um, reaction without the side effects from those therapies. So I go through the physiology of that. And I also go through, you know, how that can actually enhance our fight if we're doing natural therapies, things like hyperbaric oxygen and IV vitamin C and how fasting can actually augment those therapies as well for individuals that are dealing with cancer. And we talk about insulin resistance and we talk about, you know, the, the, the major metabolic fuels that cancer runs on. And this is just a really, it's a really great podcast, great one to, to recommend or uh, to, um, to send over to people that you know and that you care about that are concerned about cancer, or maybe they have uh, family members or or a previous history of having cancer, or you know maybe they're going through the battle right now with a family member. This is a great podcast to send them. And just a little bit about Season. She is a functional nutritional therapy practitioner. She's a founder of the Kick Cancer Movement and a cancer mama who went from having one child with cancer to having thousands all over the world. After her son was diagnosed with cancer at the age of two, they went through a three and a half year cancer battle that included daily chemotherapy and hundreds of surgeries. This propelled her with an unstoppable mission to help others thrive through a cancer diagnosis using real food, supplementation, detoxification, and cleaning up their environment. Uh, she helps people with private nutrition coaching, online programs, speaking engagements. You can check her out at seasonjohnson.com. You can check her out on Instagram, Facebook, just look up Season Johnson. And her podcast again is Thrive Through Cancer. Really great podcast. So definitely check it out. You guys are going to love this podcast. And if you have not left us a five-star review, now is the time to do that. Just go to Apple iTunes, scroll to the bottom. You'll see where the reviews are in our Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast. Go ahead and leave us a five-star review that helps us reach more people and impact more lives with this message. Send this podcast out to people that you know and that you care about. Thank you guys for being a part of our community and let's go into the show. Awesome. Well, you guys, I am so thrilled to be here with Dr. David Jockers. And if this is a new name for you, you are going to be just in for it. This gentleman has been somebody that has been played a really integral role without even realizing it in my education journey as a practitioner in supporting families who have children with cancer and adults as well. Um, he's one of the first people that I listened to and took his advice around the idea of fasting. And he speaks a lot about the ketogenic diet. These are both things that you hear me talk a lot about, but I have to give credit to really first learning this idea from Dr. Jockers. And so you are going to be blessed today by this conversation. That was my prayer before we started this and leave with some really specific tools and hope to thrive through your cancer journey. So Dr. Jockers, thank you so much for giving us your time today. We're so thrilled to have you. Thank you, Susan. Always great to be on with you. And I really love the work that you're doing here. Thank you. I appreciate that. So before we get into it, I'd love people to get a little bit of an understanding about you. And I know you are living with your beautiful family in Georgia. Um, I'd love to hear what got you interested in the natural health field? What made you decide to become a doctor of natural medicine? Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, I really have a pain to purpose story, but originally uh, my inspiration was really my mom. She's a naturopath and she was studying to become a naturopath when I was growing up. And, um, you know, she used to teach me like back then, this is the nineties, 
early 90s, she was following a macrobiotic diet, which if you don't know anything about that, it's a very bland diet, uh, very vegetarian, vegan-based, low-fat. Um, she doesn't teach that anymore, but back then we had lima beans and um, steamed kale and things like that at, at meals. And, you know, I'm a 10-year-old child and like, I, I do not want to eat this. I want to eat what my friends are eating. And she used to appeal to me because I was an athlete growing up and also my older brother he had acne. And so she used to say things like, well, the reason why he has the acne is because he's eating too much sugar. He's eating these chocolate bars. And I was like, oh, I don't want to have acne. So I'll, I'll stay away from that. Um, you know, as I got into my teens, it was like, she, she would say things like, you know, if you eat this, you're going to have more energy. You're going to be able to perform better. Um, and I, whatever it took to, you know, be a better baseball player, I was interested in that. And so I started eating healthier thinking, okay, this is going to help me perform. And so this is kind of the way that I, I started looking at it was what I eat is going to, it's going to influence my performance in life. And when I got out of high school, I, I became a personal trainer, you know, a few years after high school, got into, you know, more of a, you know, health and fitness uh, um, profession. And I thought back then that I had to eat six meals a day. I had to eat. 5,000 calories in order to maintain my weight. You know, I was getting most of my information from Men's Health Magazine or something along those lines. And I ended up developing irritable bowel syndrome. And, uh, you know, I would have times where I had incredible cramping in my gut, constipation, diarrhea. I ended up losing weight. I ended up developing orthostatic hypotension where I go from sitting to standing and I would have to hold on to something because I would get super dizzy. My body was just in a panic mode and I had severe leaky gut. And uh, it was around that time that I was actually starting graduate school to become a chiropractor. And somebody turned me on to uh, drmercola.com, was probably the most well-known natural health influencer. And he was teaching a the no-grain diet. And I was actually a vegetarian. So I was like a, a whatever it's called, a uh, um, fish. I, would, I used to eat, it was a lacto-pescatarian. So I would eat dairy products and I would eat fish and eggs but I didn't eat meat. I didn't eat chicken or red meat or anything like that because I thought it was bad for you. Um, and so I started reading his his content and I thought, wow, I'm going to try this out because I'm not feeling good the way that I am now. So I'm going to try this out. I took out grains and uh, went on more of like what we would call, I guess today, like a paleo diet. This is back in 2004, 2005. And I felt significantly better. And I started gaining weight, felt better in the gym. And I was naturally satiated um, you know, in the mornings and I, I was taking 7am very, very early classes, 7am classes. And I, I wanted to work out before I, before class. And I just didn't really have time to eat and I wasn't hungry. So I would work out, you know, get all my stuff, go to class. And I would bring a whole bunch of water, like a gallon jug of water. And I would just drink this water throughout the entire morning and drink a full gallon. And I, it kept me from being hungry. And I just wasn't hungry. My brain felt great. I felt really amazing. And I would start, I would just, I was in a sense, I was eating intuitively and I was like, okay, I'm just going to wait until I actually feel hungry. I know it's going to come at some point. And it usually came around two or three o'clock in the afternoon and I would eat and I ate a lot. I mean, I was in my early twenties still. Um, so I, I would eat a lot of food between like two or three o'clock and let's say maybe cut it off around seven thirty or eight o'clock at night. And I felt significantly better and I gained my weight back. I felt better than ever. Um, in the gym, uh, my performance went through the roof. I, I went to the top of my class in graduate school. 
Um, and I just felt the best I've ever felt. And I never heard the term intermittent fasting and I didn't even know anything about it. I didn't know that I was quote unquote fasting back then. I just was, was really eating intuitively. And I thought it was actually the water. I thought I, I would tell people, I'm like, you got to drink a gallon of water before noon. Cause I thought it was the water that was cleansing my body, detoxifying me. That was, it was optimizing the contractile strength of my sarcomeres. I was studying exercise physiology at the time. Um, as well as chiropractic. And so I had all these kind of scientific explanations for what was going on. I just knew that, you know, that I had these great benefits and it was defying what I was learning because in, in my exercise physiology class, which is taught by a PhD, she's really intelligent. I'm still good friends with her now. I used to tell her, I'm like, I feel great in the morning working out fasted. Like I, I don't eat in the morning and I work out and I feel great. And she's like, no, no, no. Like you have to have this amount of carbs before your workout, you know, this and that. I'm like, no, I haven't eaten you know, since uh, seven o'clock last night. And it's like 12 o'clock, you know, it's like 11 or 12 o'clock the next day. And I'm like, and I still don't, I don't even feel hungry. And I worked out this morning and I feel great. And she's like, no, you're doing it all wrong. And, and so we would have kind of these conversations and I couldn't fully explain it scientifically, but it wasn't until years later, just my curious mind, I started looking through research on different things and I discovered intermittent fasting. And that's been something I've taught, you know, ever since then. And then when I started my, clinic in 2009 it was the, the economy had crashed i couldn't get a uh, a loan i couldn't get a business loan so i actually opened it on credit cards somehow you know god just made it happen i got like a home refinance loan it just everything lined up and i was able to open my clinic and i was working around the clock i was single back then and um you know i was i was really determined to be successful and help a lot of people and so I would work six and a half days a week and, um, you know, 14, 16 hour days. And, uh, and I was living in my clinic for the first two years, you know, until I paid off my student loans and all the, the debt that I had. And I would, I would shower across the street in a 24 hour gym and, you know, of course no water filter. So I was getting chlorinated water on me. I was literally sleeping in the back of my office on a mattress underneath the power panel. So I had, um, electromagnetic stress. I also had a chemical x-ray processor back then. This is before, you know, I was able to afford digital x-ray. And, uh, and that was in the bathroom that I was using on a regular basis, um, in my back office. And so I was being exposed to these chemicals. And in, so I started my clinic 2009 In 2011, I developed skin cancer and, um, my grandfather died from metastatic melanoma. And I grew up in Florida, been sunburnt more than somebody should be back in my early days. And uh, so I had all the risk factors and I saw it, it was on my nose and I was looking at it every day. And, um, and I just realized it was, it was kind of a time to take inventory of my life. And I realized I am way out of balance. I'm working way too much. I had this constant fear of failure that I was going to lose it all. So I'm living out of fear every day. I'm, I'm exposed to different toxins. So I ended up buying the closest available house to my clinic, like literally walking distance away shower filters. Um, I hired an associate doctor, did all these things to help create, you know, just some peace um, and, and, a, and a healthier environment. And I actually did a five-day fast, five-day water fast. And I had come across this book, um, The Metabolic Theory of Cancer by um, Dr. Thomas Seyfried. And I started reading that book and he talked about the ketogenic diet and the approach, and it was similar to what I was teaching. We used to call it the cellular healing diet, which was basically a lower carbohydrate diet 
where we really focused on healthy fats, got rid of the bad fats, got rid of um, you know, commercial processed animal foods that are, you know, loaded with, with chemicals and toxins. And so I started following this, you know, I did this fast. I did, started following this ketogenic diet and I uh, was able to get rid of that cancer naturally. Now I never got a, like an official diagnosis of it, but it was just something that I was observing. And as a doctor, I know enough to know, okay, what's normal, what's not normal when you're looking at um, you know, a mole on your, on your face, right. That you can easily see every single day. And so it completely faded away. I mean, it's, I can't even find the scar now it's on the right side of my nose, but, um, you know, ever since then I started teaching a uh, ketogenic diet, I started teaching, you know, I got really into functional blood analysis and a lot of other things that, that have to do with functional medicine, created a lot of content online. And, uh, you know, at this point now, I actually sold my clinic years ago, don't actually see clients anymore, although I do have a health coaching team that does. And now at this point, I just create content and um, really try to help influence and educate people on natural strategies they can take to take control of their health. Wow. That is such a powerful story. I was not familiar with your cancer journey and just having that diagnosis. And that's incredible that you had that, again, that that start. I always think of it this way too, is for those who may be listening that don't have cancer, maybe they're caring for somebody that does, there is so much that you can do to be proactive. And I wonder for you, Dr. Jockers, if those years of unintentional fasting and taking care of your body prepared you for this time that you had this diagnosis and your body was actually strong enough to really help you fight through it with some of the other natural remedies that you did. For sure. You know, I had, I had already built up a lot of resilience. I was just very out of balance. And I think yeah. ultimately, you know, obviously there's a lot of tragic stories and I know you deal with a lot of tragic cases, but I think particularly for adults that cancer, really any diagnosis is really a wake up call. It's time to take inventory of your Absolutely. life. And, um, you know, when you do that, I think you're going to, you're going to end up discovering a lot of things. Like for me, I had a lot of just deep emotional wounds and kind of this fear of failure that I had to really work through. And uh, that was driving my decision. So I was in a sympathetic fight or flight mode all the time because I just constantly thought I'm going to fail. I'm going to, you know, I can't succeed. And I had this kind of low self-esteem that was driving this. I have to perform every moment of every day. I can't rest. And uh, obviously that's not healthy and that's not, that's not sustainable for a healthy lifestyle. And the cancer was actually kind of a, a wake up and say, Hey, you know, you're not going to live the life that I've called you to live. If you continue to, to react and, and to live out of this sort of life philosophy. And so yeah. we need, I need to change my ways. So this podcast is sponsored by our friends over at Paleo Valley. And I wanted to tell you about their grass-fed organ complex, which is like a supercharged multivitamin that allows you to get a full spectrum of traditional superfoods loaded with nutrients into your body faster, easier, and without having to tolerate the taste or cooking for that matter. Grass-fed organ complex contains not one, but three organs from healthy grass-fed pasture-raised cows, so you are getting a more diverse array of nutrients. Most other similar products only contain one. It's usually liver, and it's spray-dried at high temperatures. The high temperatures damage the vital nutrients. You see, the ideal way to maintain the fragile nutrients and enzymes that are found in organ meats is to eat them raw. Again, most of us are not going to eat raw liver, so instead, Paleo Valley gently freeze dries the organs in order to preserve as many of these nutrients 
as possible. You see, liver was coveted by our ancestors. When they killed an animal, they would go right for the liver or the heart first. Liver is considered the most nutrient-dense food on the planet. It's full of B vitamins, vitamin A, and minerals. You have heart. Again, heart was coveted as well. It's super rich in coenzyme Q10, which is so important for great energy and mental clarity. And then you also have the kidney that's in this organ complex, and that's very rich in selenium, which is great for the immune system. So when I think about the organ complex, I think about nutrients like B vitamins, B12, vitamin B2, vitamin A. You also have coenzyme Q10, you have selenium, zinc, copper. This is gonna really support your energy, your mental clarity, your immune system, as well as good, healthy skin. Guys, check it out. Go to paleovalley.com forward slash jockers and use the coupon code jockers for 15% off. Check this out today. I love how you say it's a wake up call. I try to teach families that when they receive that diagnosis, I mean, when we did in our babies, not even three yet, I remember being devastated. I thought, at that point in time that cancer meant death and that there wasn't this alternative option. I, I didn't know cancer. I didn't know this, you know, and now I wish I would have known back then what I know now and what I share with families is just that, that if we looked at cancer as first of all, it's not the problem. Cancer is not the problem. That's just the label that we get. And if we look at that as an opportunity for healing, this is an opportunity for us to step into a deep healing journey and get to the root cause of, like you said, emotion, physical health, all of these things. And I think if we reprogram our mind around that, it does give us a positive outlook mm-hmm. on a diagnosis that could otherwise be devastating and hopeless, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. that's really powerful. I wanted to ask you, uh, is when we talk about fasting, you know, I will never forget one of the we were constantly criticized um, as we walked through our journey because, of course, I pushed against the recommendations and we were doing things a little bit differently than what they wanted us to do. And um, one of the main things being diet, you know, we were not we were refusing all hospital food. We were bringing in our own food, <clears throat> excuse me. And so one of the things that they told us all the time, every single day, and I knew better, thankfully, I, I was a nutritionist at this point in our journey, but they would say, we are just so terrified that these kids will get cachexia and that we're going to watch them lose weight and the cancer, because of course, chemotherapy destroys the body from the inside out. Mm -hmm. And their biggest fear from a diet nutrition standpoint is cachexia, which we, you know, I can understand that. So my question for you is, and maybe not necessarily right now in regards to children, but let's talk about adults. Mm-hmm. When I bring up fasting, these cancer thrivers are in their mind immediately going, but my doctor has said I can't lose weight. So can you speak to that a little bit? What is, when we talk about fasting and the healing powers, which I do want to get into as well, but right away, I want to, I want to push away any fear around this idea of, but if I fast, I'll lose weight. Yeah, for sure. And so, um, you know, and, and, and fasting is, is, is really ancient medicine. I mean, it's something all of our ancestors did. I, I consider it the most powerful, most inexpensive and ancient form of, of you know, really healing strategy that we know. So it's built into our, our DNA to be able to become basically more resilient and also very thrifty when we uh, go into a time of famine. Our body actually really knows how, what to do 
when we go into a time of famine. Now, you may not have had a time of famine throughout the course of your life, so you have to teach and educate your body, but it's built into it's built in there. It's in the DNA. That's how our ancestors survived. They didn't have refrigerators and pantries and things like that. And so, you know, if the harvest wasn't good, if the hunt wasn't good, they would they would go, you know, a full day without eating easily, right? If not multiple days without eating. And that this was not uncommon. And the reason why we're here today is because some of our ancestors, they survived and they became stronger and more resilient. They passed those, those, that DNA on to us. And so it's within us. We just have to unlock it. Now, when it comes to cachexia, we do have to be, we do have to be careful. Obviously there are people that, you know, are wasting away when it comes to cancer. And so those individuals, it's definitely going to be harder. Um, you know, for those individuals, I'm recommending more of like a ketogenic style diet, um, really low, lower in sugar, right? And that's probably the, the main thing, sugar, bad fats and chemicals that we're trying to avoid, all right? However, for individuals that do have weight to lose, fasting is a phenomenal strategy and it really, really helps with um, reducing cancer growth in your body and making the cancer cells more susceptible to whatever conventional therapy, if you're doing chemotherapy or radiation, or if you're doing natural strategies, natural, quote unquote, natural forms of killing cancer, like IV vitamin C or hyperbaric oxygen, where we know oxygen is toxic to cancer cells because they're anaerobic. Vitamin C acts as a basically a, a cancer killing agent when you take it in high doses in IV. <clears throat> so the chemotherapy and the radiation, as well as the oxygen and the um and the and the vitamin C right? They're, they're getting into your body and having kind of a systemic impact. When you fast, it helps them isolate and localize their impact into the cells that are most susceptible because they're not getting the continuous supply of glucose. They're weaker and they're also, in a sense, more greedy um, to uptake whatever's coming into the bloodstream. And so it really helps target those cancer cells. And research has shown that it significantly reduces side effects <clears throat> that are associated with particularly, you know, the, the conventional therapies, chemotherapy, radiation, it could be some terrible side effects that people deal with. And fasting research has shown can, can dramatically reduce a lot of those side effects and help people be able to uh, respond, heal, and become more resilient as they are going through these therapies. That's such good information. I love, yeah, the, the idea of fasting is nature's operating table. You know, I've always yeah. just encouraged people to recognize that. And it's cheap and free. One of my best friends, um, we actually met because both of our children were diagnosed within a month of each other. We met over the internet on Instagram, which was is the many reasons I could be thankful mm -hmm. for that platform. Um, and then she was just diagnosed a few years ago with lymphoma. And I, we've been working really closely together. And the first, then the first month of her diagnosis, I lived with her during a 13 day water fast. Yeah. And it was so impactful and mm -hmm. she's small, she's my size. And did she lose weight? Absolutely. She, and granted she's under medical care. We had a practitioner coming in, we were checking vitals and just being really intentional, mm -hmm. but watching her go through that, which was hard. Like you said, this isn't innate in us right now. It, it, it is passed down and it is something that we're capable of, but we have to retrain our body. And so it was difficult. She, she struggled through that, but what we saw happen as she's continued to thrive through cancer over the last couple of years is she really set her body up with almost like we kind of looked at it as a restart, right? Just kind yeah. of restarting everything. Mm -hmm. 
And now she is doing some low dose chemotherapy <laughs> and we're watching, she's doing uh, fasting three days around her mm -hmm. chemo. And as you yeah. just mentioned, her side effects from chemo are minimal, if any. Yeah. I mean, it's fascinating to watch. And so can you speak to some of these benefits and, and specifically um, the immune system? Like what happens with our absolute neutrophil count, which is of course, one of the main things they're looking at to know if we can continue treatment, if we're doing conventional treatment, measures our abil ability to fight. How does fasting impact our immune system? Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, basically when we're fasting, our body has to get more resourceful. And so we have a lot of bad cells floating around. Those could be immune cells. It could be, I mean, just cells in every single organ system of our body because we have this key hormone called insulin and insulin comes out and its job is to take sugar out of the bloodstream and put it into cells. And so it's kind of like a lock and key system. When sugar gets elevated in our bloodstream, the sugar molecules will bind to proteins in our bloodstream and create something called advanced glycation end products, AGEs. These AGEs, they're, they are very destructive in the body. So they create a tremendous amount of oxidative stress that damages the endothelial lining of the blood vessels, that damages our organ systems. This is why people with uncontrolled diabetes, they end up having a lot of different problems, kidney failure, congestive heart failure. They can develop optic neuritis, peripheral neuropathy, because they have an accumulation of these AGEs that are just destroying their, their bloodstream, almost like shrapnel going through. And so in order to protect against that, insulin comes out to keep the blood sugar stable and also to get the sugar into the cell where it can be used for energy. And we all have kind of this, this threshold for how much insulin um, will put our body. Insulin really controls our metabolism and it tells our body to either store and build if, if insulin is elevated or to break down, repair and heal if insulin is low. And so there's this threshold where, okay, if, if insulin's just above that threshold, we are building and we are reproducing cells, okay? And we're storing fat and we're, we're, we're building larger cells. Um, when insulin drops down below that, we're breaking down, we become more catabolic, we start breaking down damaged cells and utilizing the raw materials from those damaged cells or damaged cellular organelles. So within a cell, we have different, almost like organs of the cell. We call, you know, they're different than the heart or the liver or whatever it is that are our organs, um, but in the cell, the organelles are the mitochondria, the um, endoplasmic reticulum, the Golgi apparatus, all these things that help create proteins and create energy that are needed for genetic expression and for cellular function. And so these things become damaged. These organelles become damaged from metabolic stress. They have a lot of oxidative stress that damages them, mutates them, almost like rusting, like metal rusting. In our, when we see that in the uh, in outside, um, when a metal's exposed to the elements or like an apple browning, this is what's happening within the organelles. And normally, the way our body works is we should be going through fluctuations where insulin is elevated above that threshold, we're building, we're storing, and then times where insulin is down low, and now we go into, okay, a repair mode and we start getting rid of uh, these damaged organelles, particularly when it comes to cancer, we're thinking about the mitochondria. And so we know that with cancer cells, they have mitochondrial dysfunction, meaning that mitochondria are no longer good at producing energy from what we call aerobic uh, metabolism or, or metabolism with oxygen. 
And that's where we break, we burn fat. And the benefit of aerobic respiration, creating energy there is we can produce a, a tremendous amount of cellular energy with a, you know, a controllable amount of oxidative stress and free radicals. We have another energy system called anaerobic glycolysis. And, and the benefit of anaerobic glycolysis is where we burn sugar for fuel without the presence of oxygen. That's why it's anaerobic. We think about anaerobic exercise, really high intensity exercise. We don't get enough oxygen. So the benefit there is we can produce energy a hundred times faster. So it's very quick energy than if we have oxygen and we go through aerobic glycolysis. However, we produce significantly more oxidative stress, free radicals, and we produce significantly less overall energy, but we can produce it quick, quickly. And so with cancer cells, they have their mitochondria have morphed and really all of our cells have uh, damaged and dysfunctional mitochondria that are no longer good at producing energy from aerobic glycolysis. And so they now start creating a, all their energy from anaerobic glycolysis and they start creating more oxidative stress damaging that cell. Normally, we should be able to um, take the damaged mitochondria, break them down, take the raw materials and turn them into good, healthy mitochondria within the cells of our body. We call this autophagy or mitophagy specifically. Autophagy means basically self-eating, uh, where all the cells kind of, they're going to undergo this process of breaking down damaged cells and utilizing the debris or the raw materials to cre now create new healthy cellular organelles. When it comes to the mitochondria specifically, we call it mitophagy because you know, we're doing this, this self-eating process on the mitochondria themselves. So this should be going on to create more resilience and to get rid of bad cells, get rid of bad cellular organelles and to upregulate our overall cellular function. So our cells can really thrive and become more resilient because the, the, the more healthy mitochondria you have in a given cell that are able to function at a really high level, the more resilience that cell has. And resilience is really just our ability to adapt and respond to stress. And stress is really just any sort of um, experience that takes us away from homeostasis. And this is happening all the time for all of us. And so we want to have this great level of resilience. And so this is what's happening with the mitochondria. And this is what's happening in our body. Now, when it comes to white blood cells themselves, we get dysfunctional white blood cells. And so we get white blood cells that are spouting out too much in inflammatory cytokines, that are, you know, even like think about antibodies, right? We it's it's normal to have a certain amount of antibodies. Like if you test people's thyroid antibodies, everybody's got some antibodies. And that's normal. It's a normal natural process. However, to have elevated antibodies, that's not normal, right? And to have a full-blown autoimmune condition, that's not normal. And that's a process that's associated with a buildup of um damaged, dysfunctional. Uh, white blood cells or dysfunctional immune cells in general. And so we want to remove those and then really kind of try to teach our body to create newer, healthy, stronger, more stress resilient white blood cells that function better. So when it comes to cancer, autoimmunity, we think of like almost like a, a hyperactive and imbalanced, discoordinated immune system, right? Whereas with cancer, we think of it as an underactive dysfunctional immune system. And so it's not responding the way it should because we really have two ways of getting rid of bad cancer cells, or really three ways. 
One is just autophagy, which should be happening all the time. We're getting rid of the organelles, kind of getting to the root cause, basically. Autophagy is really getting at the very root cause um, of these cells. So that way, you know, they don't end up becoming dysfunctional. Number that's the first strategy. Number two is the cells have a natural um suicide switch. We call it apoptosis. And so when they are developing a large amount of abnormal, you know, dysfunctional organelles. There's tremendous amount of damage. There's mutated DNA. Normally, it should trigger this apoptotic switch, and boom, they die. Okay, and then if those two systems are not working well, <clears throat> then the third system is white blood cells find them, particularly like mast cells, neutrophils. They find them, and they basically grab them, gobble them up, almost like Pac-Man, <clears throat> and destroy them. And so if all three of those systems aren't working, that's when we develop, you know, tumors. And so, or especially fast growing tumors. And so with the white blood cells, why are they not, you know, finding these abnormal cancer cells? Well, for a number of reasons, cancer cells can actually create mechanisms that basically hide them from the, from the immune system. And the immune system can also be very, very dysfunctional. And so, um, so we're trying to get rid of basically with fasting, the bad abnormal cells are not functioning well and create more stress resilient cells, more highly effective neutrophils, mast cells, right? So that way we can hunt down and get rid of that cancer and, um, or limit its growth, right? And that's, that's really the goal there. I just want to interrupt this podcast, tell you about the importance of vitamin C. We know vitamin C is a critical immune boosting nutrient that most people are deficient in. But did you know that vitamin C is also a very important nutrient for anti-aging? You see, vitamin C is the glue that holds collagen together in your body. Collagen is what makes up your skin, your hair, your nails, your gut lining. If your collagen is weak because you're deficient in vitamin C, then you're gonna end up with saggy skin. You're gonna end up with more cellulite. You're gonna end up with a weak immune system. You're gonna end up with age spots on your skin. You're gonna end up with more inflammation in your body from leaky gut. And so vitamin C is really critical, but here's the thing. Not all vitamin C supplements are created equal. Most of them are not very bioavailable and they simply pass through your digestive system, creating expensive urine. However, our friends over at Purality Health have a patented formula that I'm really excited about, and it utilizes something called micelle liposomal technology, which delivers the nutrients into your bloodstream, and it's proven to be 800% more efficient at delivering these nutrients than your standard supplements. So if your skin is looking older than you, and the appearance of fine lines, wrinkles, age spots, sagging skin, and otherwise old-looking skin frustrates you, then give Purality Health's MyCell Liposomal Vitamin C a try. It's backed by a 180-day money-back guarantee. So you really have nothing to lose. You can get your money back if for some reason it doesn't work for you. And today, we have a 30% off coupon just for you. Just visit PurityHealth.com and use the coupon DRJ to access 30% off your purchase today. Again, 180-day money-back guarantee. Just go to PurityHealth.com. Use the coupon code DRJ, just all one word, DRJ, to access 30% off your purchase today. 
Well, and I think to that is if we're constantly in this state of digestion because we're eating all day long and our body is focusing on breaking down these foods, digesting, yet there is so much work that still has to be done on the inside with destroying these unhealthy cells. We never give our body time to do that, to rest and reset and recover. And so just from, and this, this make, this sounds so elementary, but I just think of, of, if we looked at it as simple as when you are digesting, your body is focused on digestion. So we can't be focused on as much detoxification and, you know, just destruction of these unhealthy cells. And so when you give your, your body a break from digestion, it can go to work at breaking this down. And, and if I'm understanding correctly, correct me if I'm wrong on this, autophagy starts for most healthy people or most people at that 18 hour window of fasting. Is that correct? That once you get into that 18 hour window is yeah. when you start to see the That's a really. So it's a really good question. Nobody fully knows, and it's going to be different for each individual depending on how metabolically healthy and metabolically flexible they are. So I use this term metabolically metabolic flexibility, and that means your ability to go from burning sugar to burning fat as a fuel source. So when you eat a meal, okay, particularly a meal that let's say has a moderate or higher amount of carbohydrates, your body is going to prioritize utilizing those carbohydrates for energy. As when insulin goes up, which is pretty much almost any meal we consume, even a lower carb meal, we're going to have some level of elevation of insulin. That's normal, natural, not an issue. Should normally come down. We use up, you know, whatever stored sugar we have, whatever sugars in our bloodstream. Our body has natural balancing, uh, a natural balancing act of keeping that blood sugar stable. But insulin at some point should go down between meals and really should go down under this certain threshold to where we now trigger this autophagy process. The more metabolically healthy you are and the healthier you're eating, um, the better you are going to be able to, you know, basically the quicker you're going to be able to get into autophagy and fat burning. So when you're in autophagy, you're also burning your own body fat for fuel. And, uh, and so obviously there's a lot of benefits to that as well. And so, um, when it comes to like the 18 hour mark, I would say that's a good mark for somebody that's metabolically healthy, mm. um, to get a good amount of autophagy. Now autophagy is always going on some level of autophagy, but for most people it's at, you know, a very low level. All right. Now there's other things that help drive autophagy as well. Exercise actually is a great stimulator of autophagy. So that really helps, um, in your brain in particular, good sleep, right? So when you're sleeping, your glymphatic system is active, helping shunt out and pull out um, toxins out of your brain. So that's a really key time for brain detoxification and brain autophagy. And so, um, but autophagy is going to happen at a much higher level when insulin is down. And the longer that insulin's down, the more autophagy your body's going to go through. And this is why fasting can be so powerful. So for the average individual that's active, healthy, metabolically flexible. Yep. 18 hours is a really good mark to get, you know, a good amount of autophagy on a regular basis. So my general recommendations for somebody that wants to just improve their metabolic flexibility and their metabolic health is to do something like a 16 to 18 hour fast, let's say three days a week. If you feel great doing it every day, fantastic. Um, if you can do it two or three days a week, that's wonderful. And, um, if you can push it to, let's say, a 24-hour, close to a 24-hour, like a 20, 22 to 24-hour fast once a week, that is a really great strategy for um, getting a high level of autophagy on a week-to-week -week basis.
And I think that's super powerful. Obviously, you know, seasonally, you might do a three-day fast or a five-day fast, especially if you have a chronic health condition or autoimmunity, chronic inflammation. If you don't feel great, um, that can be a great reset and that can drive up autophagy even more. But I also really like having kind of like a weekly, like a weekly schedule, right? That you're following that's going to get you a level of autophagy. Meanwhile, you're still getting the nutrients that you need for your cells to grow, to divide, and to thrive as well. So you got to have a good eating plan built in there as well. Which is so important and kind of circles back to that first question that I we wanted to dispel the fear around cachexia is this is all critical for healing. Fasting is critical for healing. However, what you're eating when you're not fasting is just as important. And that's where we won't get into it in this particular episode. I'd love to welcome you back on in the future to talk about the ketogenic diet. Um, and I know you've written a book about that and yeah. fasting, which we're linking to in the show notes that I think is a really great place for people to start. Um, you've been coined as being the person who is easy to understand from a medical perspective. And so I think that's why your information can be so valuable because you make it easy to understand. Um, but all that to say, what you're eating when you're not fasting is is so important. And a ketogenic diet, that's what we did with my son. We never measured ketones. We weren't um, really intentional with that because with the leukemia, blood cancer, it wasn't as important that he stayed in ketosis. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, with tumor-based cancers, we know that that can be really, really effective. And Dr. Seafried talks about that in his book. Um, but yeah, I think it is important that you mentioned that. I appreciate you mentioning the nutrient piece. It's not what you, it's not just calories, right? It is the the quality of that and the nutrition that you're getting from the food so that you aren't losing weight, so that you are not having these insulin spikes so that you're creating your body to do what it was ultimately created to do, which is to keep the healthy cells healthy, destroy the unhealthy cells. Yeah, without a doubt. And then also for, from a recurrence perspective, yes. you know, somebody there's, there's good research. Uh, I think it was journal of American medical association oncology, their oncology section. They had a 2016 study that showed they, they looked at 2,500 women. These are all women that had breast cancer in the past. They were said to be cancer-free at the time and they, and they monitored them and they looked at their nutrition journal, right? So they had these people keep a nutrition journal as far as what they were eating and when they were eating. And they, what they found, they, they monitored them over a seven-year period of time. And what they found was that the women that fasted for 13 hours or more, basically an overnight fast, let's say they finished dinner at 7 p.m., they didn't eat anything with calories until 8 a.m. the next day, those individuals had a 39% lower risk of having the breast cancer reoccur. And that was the only significant factor they found looking at you know these nutrition journals because they weren't giving nutrition advice they were just saying, okay, what are these people eating and when are they eating? You know, just looking at it and seeing if they see any sort of um, differentiating thing. <clears throat> and the biggest thing was women who fasted for 13 hours or more overnight. And again, these weren't people that were educated in intermittent fasting. They were just doing this more intuitively, 39% um, lower risk of breast cancer recurrence. Wow. And that's free. <clears throat> it's it's yep. what anybody can do. That's, I think, one of the most important things. I think I know that with any type of a diagnosis, it's overwhelming. And then you go to the internet and you find a million and 75 suggestions and all the supplements and all of the diets. This is the most powerful free method and 39%. And that's only 13 hours. That, that should be just yep. a natural <laughs> thing that we stop eating yep. at dinner. We start eating at breakfast and wow, that I think that in itself just speaks volumes and should give 
every single person hope. And I will, I will say this, and if you want to help us close with any other kind of quick hacks, I know as, as we started fasting, my husband and I, a few years back, those first few, it's so silly because now I just laugh at it. I could go till, you know, 3 PM, but those first few days, your stomach is grumbling. And you think Mm -hmm. we were taught to think when your stomach growls, you need to eat. And that's actually just your digestive system being really used to a routine, right? That yeah. you've been doing for years. And it's like, yeah. okay, I'm, I'm creating all of the di- digestive juices and the enzymes. I'm ready to eat. You're not eating. So I'm not really sure what's going on. And so it does take a little bit of getting, working up to, do you have any tips you can offer for people who are starting the process um, to just make it a little bit more comfortable? Yeah, for sure. I I think about fasting almost like exercise. So you wouldn't do intense exercise if, you know, you've been laying in bed for the last three weeks, right? You kind of ease your way into it. It's kind of the same thing with fasting. And you have this hormone called ghrelin. It's your hunger hormone. It's released by the stomach, goes up into the hypothalamus and triggers your hunger center. And ghrelin is released with two major triggers. One is a conditioned response. One is nothing in your stomach. Okay. So if your stomach is empty, it's going to release ghrelin. It's going to go up. You're going to have more, you're more, more likelihood, a greater likelihood of, of having hunger and cravings. The second thing is a conditioned response, meaning if you're used to eating at a certain time every day, especially a, a, a good amount of food, you can, you can bet that ghrelin is going to be released at that time. Like you're training your body to say, okay, this is my circadian rhythm for eating. This is when I eat. And so that's why your body starts to do that. So you have to retrain it. And so the way to suppress ghrelin is put something in your stomach. Now, it doesn't have to be food. It could be water. It could be herbal tea, right? So you drink some water. Like when we wake up in the morning, all of us are dehydrated because we've been breathing out water vapor all night long. So you're in a state of mild dehydration when you wake up. You should be hydrating. And when you hydrate, that's going to obviously put something in your stomach, extend the, the stomach uh, wall. And now you're going to get the inhibition of ghrelin. You're not going to have as much hunger. So I tell people before you even think about eating anything, drink 16 to 24 ounces of water. For most people, like, especially if you're not used to doing that, that's a good amount of water. It might even take you like an hour, two hours to be able to consume that much water. Um, over time, you're, you'll actually get better. You actually crave it. Like, we, you know, when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to get that water right into my system. I feel good. It wakes me up. It energizes me. I feel good. It helps us move our bowels, um, which we should be doing, especially early in the day. We know that the large intestine is most active between 6 a.m. and 9 a.m. So you should be having one to two good bowel movements during that period of time um, to help detoxify and cleanse your system. And the water will really help with that process. And so just hydrate your body. And when you feel hungry, drink four, six ounces of water and then see if the hunger is still there or goes away. If it's still there afterwards, probably a sign that you really need food. If it goes away, it's a sign that you don't, right? And so this is a great trigger. Or you might just say, okay, for me, my schedule, it works better. Like for me personally, I eat typically between 1 and 7 p.m. every day, right? Um, So 1 p.m., Right around that time, even if I'm not real hungry, okay, I've usually I've usually just worked out. Um, so somewhere between one and let's say two thirty, I'm breaking my fast. <clears throat> even if I don't feel hungry at the time, I just know I've got to get the calories in. <clears throat> so I'm breaking my fast there. But if you're if you're not at that point where you've got a condensed eating window, then just try the hydration method. Okay, mm-hmm. just hydrate. You can take a little bit of salts too. 
salts themselves can naturally take away cravings. Also the electrolytes, a lot of times, especially when you first start doing this, when you're, when you're, when you're used to having higher insulin, which most of us are, I mean, when I first started doing this, I mean, I, I was used to eating six meals a day. I had to have a protein shake before I went to bed. I had a big breakfast when I woke up in the morning, thought I needed to do that every single day. And, um, when we first start lowering our insulin levels, see insulin helps us hold on to electrolytes. It actually causes sodium retention. This is why a lot of times people with insulin resistance who have high insulin, high blood insulin, they develop hypertension because they're holding on to sodium and sodium brings with it water. So they have higher blood volume, higher blood pressure. When you start going lower carb on a lower carb diet or fasting, your insulin goes down and then your body starts excreting sodium and water, right? So you start urinating and out. So now your blood pressure could get low, too low. You also might feel more dizzy and you might feel nauseous at times. So it's important to actually take a little bit of salts, just get some good, good quality sea salt, Himalayan sea salt or Redmond's real salt. Those are pretty good brands. Take a little bit of that, put it on your tongue or put a little bit of that in your water and that will help you with energy, help reduce cravings. A lot of times cravings can be can be due to a deficiency in salt or deficiency in electrolytes in general and that will make a big difference for you. Yeah, I love that. That's so helpful. Thank you for sharing that. I think that again, like you said, work slow, work up to it. It doesn't need to happen overnight that you're fasting 18 to 20 hours. Um, and I do think listening to your body is important. And I, I wanna just take a minute to thank you too for being willing to continue to learn. I think that's one of the things that I've learned as a human. It's really hard to admit, A, that we've been wrong. It's hard to unlearn something that we have thought was true for a long period of time. And I think that's really the problem with our medical system is this idea of dogma. Like people just aren't really willing to unlearn what they thought was true. And one of the things for, I think it sounds like for you and for myself, even as a practitioner, as a practitioner, I would teach people before my son's diagnosis, you had to eat right when you wake up. And you know what, if you're, you have this issue, this particular symptom, I want you to eat something right before you go to bed and to unlearn that and to admit like, oh man, I was wrong. Actually, there's research and science that shows differently. And I see that you've done that as well. And so as a physician, as a doctor, as somebody that is as an expert in the field of science, I appreciate that you are willing to do that as well and continue learning. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that's that's a critical principle is always have an open mind. And uh, there's a great quote that says, the illiterate of the 21st century are not those who can't read and write, but they're those who can't learn something, realize it's not actually helping them or it's not working, and then unlearn it and relearn a new strategy. That's really the true literate of this century. Mm, that's good. <clears throat> well, Dr. Jockers, this has been incredible. I've learned a lot. I didn't know about, is it Gremlin? Is that what you said? Gremlin, yeah, Gremlin. It reminds me of Gremlin. <laughs> it's like a little <laughs> yeah. Gremlin in your stomach. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I've learned so much, and I know <laughs> that our audience will be so blessed by this. So thank you for offering hope and helping just provide information and education behind this idea that is, Nature's operating table, fasting. It's a really powerful thing. Before we go, I want to ask you to share um, what has been inspiring you lately? Just something that maybe it's something you're listening to, reading. Maybe it's something in life, just something that's been inspiring you. Well, you know, I would say at this stage of my life, <clears throat> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just inspired by spending time with my family for the most part and my children 
raising them up. I've got four young kids. And so um, that's really a great inspiration. And the Bible, I read the Bible every day. Um, and so that's, that's really, really powerful. And then I'm also reading books by other uh, natural health influencers that they're sending as well. What is it that I'm reading right now? Um, I think I just read a book by Dr. Russell Blaylock called Liver Cleanse. That was a good book. Mm -hmm. And then I'm reading a book by Dr. Isaac Elias right now. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Um, I can't remember exactly what it's called. It's uh, in my living room, but uh, but very, very interesting book. It talks about this compound called Galactin-3 that uh, is a certain lignin that will, will uh, basically combine on cells and create dysfunctional cells and uh, it's really, really interesting <clears throat> how wow. um, his book, Dr. Isaac Elias. So interesting book. So anyways, I'm always reading something that has to do with this field. And then I'm reading the Bible and, uh, you know, just spending time with my family as much as I can. I love it. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. This is, like I said, it's been a blessing for me, I'm sure for our audience. And thank you for giving us your time. I know you're full, you have a full schedule with four kids of busy, busy business. And we appreciate you. And we'll make sure to link how you can get a hold of Dr. Jockers. I would say most importantly, follow him on social media. He shares so much information on Instagram. We'll link that below as well as the link to his books and any other resources that we, we believe that you should definitely check out. So thank you again. I so appreciate you being on here with us. Thank you, Susan. Appreciate you. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.